That was Happened to Notice by the artist David Patrone right here on the Listen Local Show. My name's Catherine, and I am in the cat box with the man himself. Mr. Patron, welcome, sir. It's good to be here. The cat box. This is cat box studio. Nice. I like it. Well, I figure I better, you know, advertise uh, appropriately in case people are allergic. Yeah, well, yeah. They will know ahead of time. I always forget about allergies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just general dislike. A lot of people hate cats, so either way. I don't mind them. They kind of do their own thing. Well, you will find a few cruising through at some point during the interview, I'm sure. So, happen to, know, to notice, beautiful song. Tell me about it. Uh, it's a song, I can't, it's interesting, I should have thought about that, but <laughs> when I wrote it, uh, originally I was doing a lot of bebop stuff, and at the time I was doing learning a lot of uh, solos and stuff for vocalese, and uh, I was just on stage one day uh, with, uh, Ed Kornhauser was playing piano, and we were playing La Costa Spa, and I you know, I just thought of this riff, you know, and I, and I repeated it. Like I was singing it in a solo or something. And I turned to Ed and I was like, hey, remember that for me. Yeah. So I kept had to keep singing it because sure. I forget stuff immediately. And well, so, and that's not easy to even sing the lick, let alone remember it. Yeah, well, so he wrote it down, and then um, I recorded it. Or I, I don't know. I think I was doing a broadcast. I used to broadcast all of my shows live, right, to my radio station on the internet, and um, before everyone was doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I've, done, I've been fortunate in that I've been in technology, kind of, yeah. especially the internet, like right about since it began. And so, yep. I always seem to find out these things that people are doing, and I apply them to what I'm doing, right. And, um, yeah, you've always been cutting edge with uh, your your singing career and your your entertainment business in general. Yeah, my website was always, although I should I hesitate to say that because my website is obviously experiencing Currently some problems. Currently having some issues <laughs> today. It looks like I might have a virus on there. But well, how long have you been in San Diego? Like, tell me what, what what was your what's your background? Where did you start? When did you start singing in an in a Reader's Digest. Uh, well, <laughs> I was in the Marines. Here's a cat as we speak. That's Simon, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, you were in the Marines. Ten years, I was in the Marines. Okay, Corps. wow, I didn't know that. And I was, uh, um, I was an explosives technician for uh, like aviation ordnance, they call it. So basically, I put bombs on planes and stuff Sheesh. like that, and helicopters. And I did that for ten years. So I'm from Philly originally, and I left. I joined the Marines when I was 17. Left Philly when I was 18, and then. Uh, you know, traveled around the world, and then I ended up out at Camp Pendleton as an like uh, at a training unit, and I did that for about four years. When they tried to get me to be a recruiter, and I kind of said, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. But the way I started my singing career was actually because I'm an alcoholic, and uh, so I was drinking so heavily at the time. At, on a you know Marine sergeant's salary, there I was basically going straight into debt. And a good friend of mine, we were sitting at the bar one night, and he's like man how do you afford this and right. i'm like well i don't really yeah. you know and he's like uh why don't you work at a bar right and i'm like well i always wanted to be a bartender and i looked around the bar and i at, at just at that time i started singing a little karaoke with this guy right and he's this is just, the weirdest inspiration for starting a singing career ever i wanted so to that you could drink for free oh david i love it so i went wow. to this guy uh <laughs> so rock star rich martin he was uh doing this karaoke show and i'd been singing there a little bit and I said to him, I, I mean, I wanted to be a bartender or maybe a bar back. And I had done some security work there for this place, Rookies in Oceanside. Okay. And because uh, there's a lot of jarheads there that like to have Marines as security guys. Sure. I was kind of a, a cooler, 
you know, just a negotiator. Yeah. I would walk up and if there was a problem, then the big guys would step in, gotcha. but you know, I'd try and talk them out of it <laughs> yeah. or into it if I didn't yeah. like, <laughs> but anyway, so, um, I walked over to Rich and I said, Hey, um, you, if you need any help running this like karaoke show or anything, you know, I'd love to do it. And he just handed me the microphone right there. Awesome. He goes, here you go. And I'm like, I don't know how to run it or whatever. And he's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Just figure it out. Yeah, so yeah. I literally, that's how I started. I started singing this karaoke show. Then I started running this what karaoke this? show. That was 98, okay. I think. So, um, I mean, I went then from there. I, mean, I was still in the Marines and I was running his show at a couple different bars mm-hmm. so that he could run his show at other bars. And he was expanding at the time. And he was a tremendous singer. And he really taught me a lot about singing just by watching him. Because had you sung prior to that? I mean, I, everyone in my family plays at least one instrument. Okay. So everyone's played There's and some sang. Music flowing through your blood. Yeah, but no one's ever done it professionally. Okay. Well, I was the first one to do it professionally. Now my younger brother plays too uh, okay. on the East Coast. But. The thing was, I was the first one to do it. I kind of you know, had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And I just knew that I really liked jazz. And it's weird story. I'd tell probably some other time how I started <laughs> singing karaoke because literally I was sitting. Well, I'll tell it. It's short. I'm sitting at the bar and this guy, Rich Martin, walks up and he's dressed in a suit and a fedora. And I look at him and he's got like kind of a New York accent. accent and I'm like, uh, what's your story? You yeah. know? And he's like, well, I'm running a karaoke show here. And I said, really? <laughs> And he said, yeah. He's like, would you like to sing? I said, I don't sing. I drink. <laughs> and I said, but if you buy me if you buy me a, a drink, I said, oh, no. He said, how about if I buy you a drink? And I said, well, I said, if you buy me two drinks, I'll sing anything <laughs> you got in that book. <laughs> wow. And he, so he bought me a drink. He's like, I'll buy you the other one after you sing. And so that night, and I was a regular at that bar every day. I used to play that trivia game, the NTN game. And I was really good at that, too, because I know a lot of useless information. <laughs> but so everybody knew me back then as Willie B. That was my handle on the um, thing, Okay. which is another long story. We won't go into that. Yeah. But anyway, so I got up on stage and I sang. Oh, I said, I'll sing a Frank Sinatra song. And he's like, oh, you don't sing, but you'll sing right. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And I was like, I said, well, I mean, that's what I listen to. Sure. So I got up there and I sang uh, Luck Be a Lady. And then the whole place kind of blew up, and I was like, I just thought it was because they they knew me, like because right. I was the guy that played trivia, and yeah. they had never seen me sing. So then Rich says, "Why don't you do another one?" And I said, "All right." And I did another one. Like I didn't come off the stage, and he goes, "Why don't you do another one?" And so then I turned the little screen around, like I started getting cocky. I was like, "I don't need this screen <laughs> with these lyrics," you know. And I sang like a wow. bunch of tunes, and then he said, uh, "He said, you know, a pretty good singer. Yeah. You should keep coming back." And so for about. Two years, I sang all the time. I mean, I was really just drinking, and he happened to be there. But I did find myself going to his places. Right. And then that's how I got started. I decided I wanted to start a band. And then I... Uh, <laughs> the cat. No, it's cool. I kind of like it. I know, but he's a little annoying, right? <laughs> he likes you, David. I don't know why. So you... Yeah, I just decided to start a band while I was in the Marines. I tried to start this blues band, and I'd known these... Marines that were pretty good at playing music, so I got them in, and then we started playing, and it just couldn't really, or I couldn't get it, I couldn't organize it. Plus, I was still was like, you know, working full time sure. in the Marines, and then um, I I started a, I decided, I mean, at that time, swing had really been hitting like the mid '90s, and so I, and I was here in California, I was at Camp Pendleton, and I just decided, you know what, forget about this, let's just start a big band you know and Warren Lavelle from Big Time Operator I I met him out at a club one night and we were talking and he said look I'll help you out and he had you know the biggest band in San Diego he had Big Time Operator and you know they were doing great at that time they were getting crazy contracts they were in a movie and then he said "Uh, I'll help you put your band together and he introduced me to this other guy 
uh, Rob Duncan, who's now on the East Coast, but he really did mostly everything. I just like promoted it and stuff, yeah. and I started the website because at the time I was doing a lot of computer stuff, and nobody really was doing websites yet. And so uh, I got a lot of publicity out of that, and um, I like to write, and I wrote these newsletters, and people yep. were digging that, and then I would go out and get really wasted and dance on the bar and drink. And right about that time, um, the Marine Corps selected me to be a, a recruiter, right. and I just it was the last thing I wanted to do was yeah. to go sit in some cafeteria somewhere in a high school and talk to kids about joining the Marines. <clears throat> and so I just decided to get out, and uh, it was a big decision. It was a hard decision. In many ways, I regret it. But I wouldn't have any of the career that I've had sure. this last, like, whatever, 14, 15 yeah. years. And so that's what I did. I got out. I was an IT guy because I had gone to school for computer science. I was doing IT work, and that was, like, mid-2000, and the internet bubble was April 2000. All the f- capital funding dropped out. The bubble burst. And there I was, jobless and <laughs> moonlighting. I was playing this gig where I had background tracks at Bourbon Street in uh, University Heights, Hillcrest area. Yeah. And uh, I had musicians coming in, like, getting mad at me. And they were like, what are you doing? Like, oh, this man. is, like, they're telling me, I don't know what kind of language I can use on this Go show. Go for but, it. We are. You know, they were just like, this is bullshit. You're like, you should be playing with a band, right. like, not with karaoke tracks. And yeah. like, I've done karaoke for years, so, like, it just seemed natural <laughs> to me. Yeah. And I remember saying one of the stupidest things I've ever said in my life, which was, I don't know any musicians that know this music. <laughs> and And this guy looked at me like I had two heads, and he's like, well, have you ever asked? Right. And I was like, well, no, I mean, like, I just don't think anybody plays this anymore. Sure. And then, like, the next week I had a, oh a quartet. Yeah. And then that, and then within a couple weeks I had a gig at Croce's and I yeah. had a gig at Martini Ranch. And yeah. then next thing you know, in the next year I had, a, like, 350 gigs in one year. Yeah. And so – and then – a lot of stuff happened, but that's really how it started. Yeah. But I ended up, you know, I'm from Philly, ended up out here and just decided to stay. Right. It's kind of weird. I was going to go to L.A., but I decided to stay in San Diego because I was moonlighting with Tommy Price and we were doing the Stilettos thing. We we started the Stilettos band together. Okay. And um, for the record, San Diego, he's not my actual brother, but we've lived together and played together for so many years that we just always tell everybody oh, that we're brothers. Okay. But everybody always says, hey, sure, how's sure. your brother doing? And I'm right. like, I don't have a problem with it. He doesn't have a problem with it. But <laughs> every once in a while, people figure it out. They're like, wait a minute. You guys aren't actually brothers, are trying you? Trying to pull, pull one over yeah, on Yeah, and they're like, hey. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. it's just easier to say that he's my brother because we're so close. Right. You know what I mean? Um. So you just recently got back in town. Yeah, was... and and uh, we'll talk about where you disappeared to uh, in a little while. But I want to talk about the, what you're doing now that you're back. First of all, you're living on a boat, and you're um, going to start some sh- cool showcases around town, paying gigs yeah. for musicians. Yeah, and and well, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, uh, I just got back into San Diego. Well, I guess we'll go over that later. But I um, I was. I've been kind of moonlighting outside of San Diego doing a variety of things. I hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2008. I hiked the – well, half of it. I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2011. You did? Yeah. That's well, I did awesome. it as gigs. Okay. So I did the what I call the first ever walking jazz tour. Wait, I do remember because I'm on your newsletter. Yeah. And sometimes they're so long I just kind of glance yeah, through. I know. But, I, I mean, you're prolific, dude. I don't – I stop. I have I to write that because... more often so that they end up being shorter. <laughs> but the um, yeah. So I decided to walk from Mexico to Canada on the Pacific sure, Crest Trail, why not? and I wanted to. And it takes about six months normally. They call it through hiking. Okay. And um, usually about four hundred people try it a year, and usually about ten make it. Okay. Or maybe twenty. I don't know, something like that. Um, but the uh, 
the along the way, I wanted to do gigs because like Viejas Casino is pretty close, and I was doing regulars there. And then up in, I wanted to do a gig like up in Mount Laguna, and then another one up in like in Big Bear because okay. it goes through Big Bear, sure. and I was living there part time as a ski instructor in yeah. Big Bear. And then I, I wanted to do one in like uh, I don't know all these towns right. along the way. I did Burbank and Los Angeles when I was near there, and Lake then like Hughes, it goes through the, the Rock House in Lake Hughes. Yeah, I didn't know that. about that place, but yeah, now I, I now I do. And <laughs> and there's a couple other places sure. in there, and uh, I Mammoth and Lone Pine and Bishop, which are not Beautiful. typically jazz right. places, but. That was my deal. And then uh, in South Lake Tahoe, where I also live, right. and I now I do anyway. I've, for the last four years, I've taught skiing in the winters up in uh, Heavenly. Okay. So I ended up making it to Tahoe, and I was gone for three months. took me three months to walk to Tahoe and South Lake Tahoe, and I ended up um, just staying there mm-hmm. and then going to Burning Man for the first time, which is weird because <laughs> I had been sober for like <laughs> six years at that point, and um I thought I just remember the guy that invited me was like a a, a very well known guy in the Burning Man community, okay. and uh, he's also plays jazz saxophone up in Carson City in Reno, and so we ran into each other randomly, and I started singing up there, and then uh, he said, oh, "I want you to come to Burning Man with me," and I was like, "Dude, I'm sober. Why am I going to Burning Man?" And it was like when I said it, we were on stage, and it was like the record was like exactly, and and everyone in the room was like, "Do you know who you're talking to?" And I was like. You know, no, I don't. But uh, okay, I'm going to Burning Man. You know, they're like, he just invited you to his camp. I'm like, right. I have no idea what you're talking about. So I went there and performed, wow. and I ended up getting pretty bit, not uh, pretty tightly connected with the Burning Man community. Nice. I don't like to say anyone's big in, in Burning Man, and I'm certainly not. I'm, I'm yeah. unknown, just like everybody else's. But but man, there's some people that really helped to make that experience amazing. And yeah. one of the places there is a jazz nightclub. That I'm now a member of that camp, nice. and I'm like the host of the jazz oh, nightclub. So for one week, I'm very proud to say, humbled and proud to say that I'm the chick singer at the <laughs> greatest jazz club in uh, the world, the oh most interesting jazz club yep. in the world for one week because it only fantastic. exists for one week a year. And so, anyway, I was in Tahoe for a while in Reno, and I was establishing a residency up there, and I was kind of getting out of San Diego. I was a little disgruntled with some of the San Diego lifestyle and stuff and i love to ski i love the mountains i mean i love the city i come from philadelphia i mean i like the energy of a city but um man i love the mountains so much so i ended up getting into that community and then uh i was i've been bouncing back and forth between reno and tahoe and san diego and you do have a lot on your agenda to do now that you're back in san diego you're gonna get a couple more venues yeah um make some opportunities for local musicians make some uh cool events for uh people to come and check out great entertainment yeah, the the object of Midnight Productions is to do four, well, five things. One is to find talent. The other one is, or you know, identify. The, try to do it like the Marine Corps does it. You know, they <laughs> they're like uh, begin planning, arrange reconnaissance, make reconnaissance. So mine is to uh, find, you know, identify entertainers, okay, improve those entertainers, okay, then you know, utilize those entertainers, and then continue to you know improve and offer a place for them all to collaborate and kind of and get together with each other and share and grow uh, because I believe in collaboration not about exclusivity I think that everybody should collaborate I think we should all share gigs and do all that stuff totally. just because I, I mean the hustle is important but at the same time I think people place too much emphasis on this is my stuff right when we should be saying hey you know what collaboration is really where it grows and then the final thing is uh, well the final two things one I want to offer 
to venues and event production and, and all these other guys, a place where they can come to us and say, hey, this is how we want to shape our event. And we say, well, we've got all these entertainers to choose sure. from. And I want to have a location. I want to have a venue where we can record, like a small studio. Cool. Not for recording albums. Right. But just for recording like promo spots and sure. little film clips so that you can sell. Right. And then, you know, so the artists can showcase what they do and, you know, right. get gigs. And then the final thing is that, you know me, I'm all about government and I think government should stay Let's the hell out. Let's not get started. But <laughs> I think that, that fi- my final arm will be to interface with local legislation to streamline uh, legislation that has to do with the hospitality industry because I think that uh, San Diego has done a really poor job of of tailoring legislation to reality. Right. Like it's all fear-based. You know, I think legislation is mostly fear-based. And what, what happens is they say, well, this can never happen again. Let's make it a law. And what ends up happening is that we have all these laws that everybody breaks because they're unrealistic. Mm-hmm. When you could just say, well, why don't we just – why don't we just uh, enforce the ones that we had sure. and say, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a place that's open all night long. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have there's r- there's routes for that. Right. There's nothing wrong with some people that want to, you know, open a nightclub or have a liquor license, you know. Right. Uh, but the it's so prohibitive getting those things together that uh, what you end up having is like, well, like downtown is ridiculous now. Downtown is ridiculous. It's and it, it's just there's too many venues and, you know, they throw the ballpark in there and you add like that traffic and then you add, yeah. you know, they're, talk, they're talking about another place now downtown. I'm yeah. like, seriously, it's cool to grow and all, but it's not it, – it, the downtown is flooded with uh, what I consider to be sometimes the wrong kind of people. Okay. You know, like if you got a couple jazz clubs downtown and, and you got a bunch of drunken – uh, College post game fans for whatever sure. event they yeah, happen yeah. to be at, and then they inundate the downtown. It makes it crappy, you know. That trying to get in and out of downtown on one sixty three on any weekend night, or you know, maneuvering around, and you know, what if we got one trolley? We have, you know, that doesn't even go anywhere really. Right. So it's kind of like it doesn't get, take you to PB. It doesn't take you to, you know, well, whatever. I mean, I'm just saying there's better ways things right. could be Beware done. Beware local politicians. <laughs> David Patron is going to be knocking on your door. Yeah, I only only I have a few liabilities, but <laughs> but my liabilities are out there. You know, I mean, uh, right. I'm clean and sober. So uh, that's really my – that's always been my main liability, you know. And, and so having that lifestyle now is, is different. And it gives me more energy, yep. like more focused, intelligent. Yeah clear energy well we're behind you david patron i'm ready 100 percent, dude we're talking about all the the young lions in san diego do you know this the jazz scene in san diego is just going off right now and you know i so many talented kids props mega props to uh gilbert castellanos i mean without gilbert yeah we wouldn't have that scene in san diego and i remember when i first came to san diego uh and i was like doing this you know Mm -hmm. playing music i would go down to his jam session he had that, that late night after hours jam session that's down where the Cat Eye Club is now, actually, and um, or next door, and uh, Block 16, or they're calling it something else right now, which I should know, but I can't remember right now. Okay. But um, it's right across from Petco Park there on 7th Avenue, and um, we would go down there. I mean, we wouldn't get there till 2 in the morning, oh, you know, right. 1 in the morning, and that session would go off to like 4 or whatever. And back then you could do that because there was no Petco Park. That was right. all an industrial area, sure. and, you know, nobody cared. But um, those guys back then, if it weren't for that jam session, I wouldn't have been introduced to any of the guys that I know yeah. here in San Diego today and uh, the guys that I worked out with. And Gilbert and I have over the years uh, sometimes had our, our personal differences, but I respect that guy tremendously. Yeah. I mean, I really, really do. I think uh, 
if it weren't for him, we would not have a scene that we had. And he is, he's been running a jam session here for what? I mean, like 20 years, something like that. Oh, I mean, the guy somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, and he moves it around. Awesome. To, and it is great players yeah. that go in there. Yeah. And you know, what? it's, uh, when I have people from out of town come in, that's where I take them. I yeah. mean, you know, and that's, I guess probably the greatest compliment I could give is to say that when I want people to see it happen, I take them to his place, nice. you know? And that's so I, I, lo- I like what he's done. And if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have this scene. And we have all these other, you know, old lions was, in San Diego yeah. that, you know, recently we lost uh, Daniel Jackson, who yeah. is a great friend of mine and a tremendous influence on me. And he played with me many, many times. And I really, I love that guy. And, you know, guys like Gary Lefevre and guys like Shep Myers. And, you know, we have this group, had this group, still do, of tremendous musicians that are living in San Diego. Jeffrey Keezer lives here now, um, who's probably, you know, arguably one of the most uh, prolific jazz pianists in the world today, you know. And um, we've got just amazing people in this town guys I like wonder, Mikan I wonder if the old lions know what's happening like there's something going on at the wine lover I don't know if you know about that and I only just read them I know Gabby Aparizio does something every week somewhere and there's all these beautiful little jazz influenced um, showcase nights and jam nights I have all to go over. check I haven't been 98 there I have to check bottles, that out had one for a while I, was just, I just posted about um, 98 bottles still has a session okay um, you know Croce's has always been a mainstay and, and I was fortunate to get a gig there when i first got started right. I, I was there for like seven years right before i kind of went to try and i tried to infiltrate the other club scene because sure. i got tight with um all the hospitality folks mm-hmm. i mean i played the weddings of probably like 10 or 20 different yeah. hospitality folks yeah that are it's kind of weird like i you know i walked to, up to a club and you wouldn't think like i'd be known at this club or that club but like yeah i played the owner's you wedding run in a lot of circles yeah i do run in a lot of circles and so so yeah. um i wanted to just quickly oh, i want to mention dizzy's though oh D- oh yeah dizzy's, dizzy's. 98 bottles and croaches i'd oh feel remiss if i didn't Chuck mention Perrin. those places and and chuck also instrumental Absolutely. in offering a place for people to experience music at the intimate level yeah you know and that was really you know i I didn't even know about that. Like I didn't. I never expected you to be able to go into a club and people just to be really quiet and Seated respectful and watching. And yeah. yeah, and that you know, I didn't grow up in that kind of community. Right. So I, I'm a bar guy, man. Yeah. I like I, I force people to listen. You yeah, know, I yeah. jump on their table yeah. and be like, "Are you listening to this?" <laughs> and then to go into a place like that where they they've come it's to listen. Unsettling. Yeah, like I stare I'm like oh, <laughs> I it's too quiet. Man. Right. It's too quiet. Man. Clink a glass. Yeah. Please. So it's cool. Like um, yeah, I those. Those guys, I mean, I hate. Absolutely, I hate not to mention. I had to mention. Well, and now you are starting up something. You've yeah. got something going on at uh, the Cat Eye. I'm at the Cat Eye right Where's now. Where's that at? Cat Eye Club is where Dizzy's used to be a long time ago. Um, before they they moved Dizzy's a couple times. Yeah. I think Dizzy's floats now. I could be wrong, but I. I think you're right. Um, but Chuck kind of like puts Dizzy's is the concept, not the location. Right. So Chuck is Dizzy's. Yeah, Chuck <laughs> is Dizzy's. So like Dizzy's for a while was over there at the Wine and Culinary Center, I guess, which yeah. is and next to where Galileo's was in that building, the funky building on the tracks, the tall skyscraper residential. I wish I knew the Harbor Towers. I think it's called. Okay. Anyway. But um, and then I know he moved it again. I know Dizzy's was doing some things at ninety eight bottles, and then I think he's at another place now. I've been out of town, so you'll have to forgive me. I don't know everything but is happening Cat everywhere. Eye? Cat Eye is on seventh. It's like seven forty four Seventh Avenue. Okay, I th- I'm trying to remember industrial building. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's I right that next. Place. It's next to the Blind Burrow. Yep, and it's owned by the same folks. Cool. And um, it's kind of a speakeasy. So what are you going to be place. doing there? Well, I'm going to be bringing in musicians from uh, just musicians that I know from out of town and okay. from in town that I think are usually single or duo groups that jazz are very only. No, no, no. Actually, probably not a lot of jazz. Okay. I I want the people that. Uh, like vocal stuff. I want people singing that sing to the crowd and we're trying to build that crowd down there. So um, what I want is a place at several places. It's not going to just be cat eye, but right now it is cat eye on Thursday nights. I'm bringing in folks that I respect and great musicians to play there. Um, I played there last week because the guys I had kind of packed out, but uh, that's the other good thing is a musician backs out the last minute. I can go in and play. So I played there last week. And then the week before I had Chantel Descartes down there. She's from Miami. She she was out here for a couple of weeks. Hopefully she'll be coming back out again soon. I'm going to have Madeline Taskin come down from San Francisco. This week is Dave Buddha. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you know Dave. Absolutely. I, I love Dave. Fantastic. And we're good friends. And we really nice. we cemented our relationship at Burning Man that first year <laughs> oh, that I went. Oh, right on. Yeah, he like I ran into oh, him and he was wearing a, a bumblebee costume. <laughs> Dave and I was Buddha like, <laughs> I was like, as a bumblebee. Hey, you're Dave Buddha. He's Whoa. like, you're Dave Patron. I was like, hey, how you doing? That's rad. So at Burning Man, though, they call me Fella Fitzgerald because <sighs> I'm like a male Ella Fitzgerald <laughs> I love it. fella. So, um, do people pay tickets? Uh, no, it's free. Free to get in. Oh, yeah. But the musicians are getting paid? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that I've always had a knack for finding locations where, you know, the enter- the entertainment is is looked at as a, an asset to the clubs. Okay. And so, some clubs understand that, you know, if you want to have good music, you got to have good entertainment. You have to have good musicians and you got to pay them because the only way that you're going to get great people in there is to get pros. Sure. Otherwise, you have to sift through a gazillion artists that aren't getting paid and you get catch, catch, can. You know, sure, you get, sure. you might get something good, you might not and that's, and I, God, you know, uh, thank God for places like Java Joe's and Lestat's, um, you know, where you get the singer-songwriters that show up and, Sometimes they get like ridiculously talented entertainers Absolutely. that come in there, yeah. and it's a great place to go see people as they're just beginning in San Diego. And I love those places, and I kind of feel like those places are also a rite of passage. Right? You know, like you you have to play there a couple times. You know, just in San Diego, those are the spots you got to play. And now they're right near each other. Right. So uh, actually, I th- I'm going to go try and play Java Joe's here pretty soon. I just you know, I'd never, ever, ever been in Java Joe's until two weeks ago. It was the first time I <laughs> nice. ran into Joe, and I was like, man, I've been meaning to talk to you for 15 years. Right man. on. And so we were laughing, and, uh, and I saw uh, Jamie Shadowlight was in there that night doing sure, violin. Yeah. And Beautiful. We have so many amazing musicians Incredible. and entertainers here. I know. And that's what I want to focus on is like the solo entertainer or the duo, small groups, because, you know, these clubs don't usually have big budgets right and i'm not making any money on the deal i mean that's not my deal but these are places that i like that are good rooms like cat eye club is a beautiful beautiful room and they have bartenders in there that make like you know they're mixologists they're true the true mixologists you know every bartender likes to call himself a mixologist (laughs) but a real mixologist like you know they make their own ingredients they like they really study the way a drink is made and the best thing to do when you see a guy like that is say well i kind of like this and let him do it. Yeah, let yeah, him exactly. do his thing. It's kind of like if you're going to hire a great entertainer, you you hire the entertainer. Let and, them do their thing. Yeah, and, and don't say, well, this is my – I'd like <laughs> these 25 songs yeah. played for my event. In this key, please. Right, and you're like, so, yeah, just let me do what I do. You like what I do. How do uh, – what if people want to play these showcases? Can they submit? Can yeah, they... oh, yeah. My email is David Patron with an E on the end. Okay. And that, that's davidpatron at gmail.com. That me- – 
mail goes straight to me. Okay. All other emails that I've had in the past still work, but I just they're so full of spam. Just I've had I've had sure. crooner at davidpetro.com. Right. I've had that for almost 20 years. Yeah. So um I get a lot. Of, I mean, I have 21,000 unread messages in that inbox right now. Okay. So just Dave David Patron at Gmail. Gmail does a good job of breaking and up the any spam. Country, any country? Any genre? Solo, care. full if band? If you're entertaining, I want to talk to okay. you. Okay. I love it. So, and that's the thing. Like, I don't, I'm not genre, I'm not genre specific. I mean, what I do is jazz. Right. But, but what so I see is. showcases your. Yeah. But okay. these showcases, if you're entertaining, I want you in there. Okay. Cool. Because what I'm really trying to create with david patron entertainment and really moving midnight productions midnight Productions is my california company and david patron entertainment is nevada because i live there also so okay. uh and everywhere else because california's got some serious tax issues but anyway <laughs> midnight productions is really about taking entertaining acts and putting them in places where uh i can invite my friends and, and the people that trust my judgment of entertainment sure. to come down and enjoy good okay. shows and okay. really that's all it's about and i want comfortable places where the women's bathroom is awesome okay because that's how you know if a place is going to succeed you are so right i'm telling you you i've i've stopped uh uh, hosting at venues based on their ladies restrooms the ladies room men don't care men will pee (laughs) in a on a bush in a trough or whatever but a women's restroom has to be nice you know what we're gonna go out with uh, a song Yes. Yeah, this one day. is called Snow Angel. Or Snow Angel, yeah. Yeah, tell me about it. I, I wrote this. Actually, it was a poem that I wrote for my mom. Okay. And uh, it's about... It, at first, I didn't make it about... It wasn't called Snow Angel because it was supposed to be so abstract that you didn't know what I was talking about. Okay. But um, the song's about a guy who walks up and he sees a snow angel in the snow. And then he like he looks and he sees a bunch of kids making them. And they're all playing and stuff. And then... Um, he just walks along like all happy and he's remembering his youth as a kid, you know, playing. And then uh, it kind of ends at that. Just, he's remembering his youth and the song ends with uh, Till Mother's Whistles Blast, which when I was a kid and we didn't have cell phones. Right, that's how you and got And growing up in. in Philly, my mom had this particular whistle and you just knew that she was coming. That's so rad. Or you knew it was time to come home, yeah, you know. Yeah. And sometimes she'd yell. Was but, it an actual whistle or did yeah, she no, whistle, whistle with her finger? She can yeah. whistle. My mom can whistle My any, dad anyway. can whistle and I would hear him three miles away. Was, she can do that super loud whistle either with or without fingers, <laughs> so with rad. one finger, yeah. with the two fingers in one hand, or the two pinkies. What's her name? Donna. Donna. Nice Donna, job. Donna Maria Patron. All right. Let's listen to the song. David Patron, thank you so much. Tell uh, everyone again where they can contact you if they want to get involved in your showcases. David Patron at gmail.com or at uh, my cell phone, which is my cell phone. You call me. I'm on it oh, all the time. Give him a call. 775-781-9776, which is a South Lake Tahoe number. But make no mistake, I'm here in San Diego. to make it happen down here. Dig it, dude. Thank you so much, David. Thank all you. All right. This is Snow Angel by David Patron right here on Listen Local Radio.